after language school, I was somewhere at the intermediate level, and I felt like I knew decently well how to communicate in most contexts, and navigating my way around conversations, even if there's a word that I didn't fully know or understand yet. But little did I know when I moved to my new context, what I would face challenges both in culture and in language. Um, I found out the hard way that I wasn't done learning. Hello everyone and welcome to Language on Purpose. You met Amy in episode one when she was just newly arrived in Southeast Asia and I was her language learning coach during her time in language school. Since then she's come such a long way and I was anxious for you to hear more of her story, especially the part where she finishes up language school and then moves somewhere different to start her work assignment. Welcome back to the show, Amy. Thanks. It's wonderful to be here. So you were in language school on the one island for how long? I was in language school for a little bit more than a year and then had to take a break because of COVID, but the total was about a year and three months. And how long have you been in your new location? Just under two years. You said that on your language school's final evaluation, you tested out at the intermediate level. But didn't you say that sort of worked against you in your new location? How so? Yes. Um, so because I had a decent grasp on language, expectations that were put on me were a lot higher. Unawares to me, because of where my language is, was people thought that I understood more about culture and language than I actually did. People would communicate things or act in a certain way, expecting me to get it, um, but things would still go completely over my head. Maybe it was the pride in me because I thought it was going to be an easy transition because I already had language and I could already communicate, but I didn't realize that in my first city, there was still a lot of grace that people gave me as I was learning. In the second city, because my language level was already high enough, that grace didn't exist in the same way. And they assumed I knew more than I did. So how did that play out? Mainly there were misunderstandings. Like, for example, national teammate I was living with, we were getting along well at the beginning. And then one point it was obvious that I had offended her in some way. And I had no idea what I had said. Um, or what she was offended by, but I got the silent treatment for three weeks and I couldn't figure out what had happened. What did you do? How did you resolve it? So I tried apologizing and she didn't really acknowledge that or want to have a conversation again. Again, I didn't exactly know what I did wrong. So for me, it was kind of like a, an apology that didn't exactly point to anything, but there was disrespect that was communicated and eventually once we were able to talk about it she told me in the culture and specifically in her upbringing it was not important to get to the bottom of things and to figure out exactly what happened it was just kind of this okay we're going to move forward and we're going to start over and that is a normal thing culturally speaking in terms of how conflict is resolved and for me, that was very strange 
and not what I was, what I was used to. And it was hard because I have this sense of like, okay, nobody is perfect. And we want to figure out how we can communicate better. There's a strong sense of right and wrong. And I also wanted her to be able to say, oh, this is where I'm coming from. But without that, and we had to just kind of let it go. So yeah, it was hard because in my cultural lens, a healthy relationship is all the things that I had just mentioned. And that's not how the culture that I am living in operates. So it was a way to say, we really value this relationship much more than we value who's right or who's wrong. Yeah, definitely. And the bottom line was that somehow you show disrespect, which is huge, right? In an honor-shame culture. Yes. In another situation, disrespect came into play, but I also didn't understand what was going on. So tell us about that. There was a guy who was uh, building shelves for our new English language cafe that we were opening. And the guy that was responsible had gotten sick. Um, so we asked another guy friend if he could take over the job. He had the skills and whatnot, but he was really hesitant and did not want to take it over and didn't know why. And as I kept insisting and kind of pushing him to do it, in my brain thinking, this is plainly something that needs to be done and he can help out because the first person wasn't able to finish. But his response to me was, why are you insisting? And his heart behind it, and culturally speaking, if he would have taken over, it would have been as if he was usurping the other person's role who had been given that responsibility, and it would have been disrespectful. And he also didn't want it to kind of puff himself up to say, oh, look at me, I can do it, and I look better, which that wasn't even in my thinking at all. Yeah, that was certainly an aha moment. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The honor system is huge and it kind of shifted my viewpoint and my worldview isn't the same as that. So I had to go back to being an observer and figuring out what exactly is going on that's different than maybe what I'm seeing. Humility is huge and having that learner posture that I did when I knew nothing is still really, really important. Amy, I want to switch gears here in a sec and talk more specifically about language gaps. But could you first tell us about that incident you mentioned where it was much clear what had culturally gone awry? This one's still funny to me. In my American culture, it's really rude to interrupt or to butt in to somebody else's conversation, even to just say hi. So there was a woman in our area as we're interacting, she gets the impression that I don't like her because I never say hi to her when I come down the stairs in the morning. But for me, I thought I don't want to be disrespectful. And I would go around the conversation to not say anything. But that turns out that I wasn't acknowledging them and therefore did not like her. Instead of my American perspective was, I don't want to interrupt. Um, so it was a good thing to become aware of so that people didn't think I didn't like them when I was in my brain trying to be polite. Okay, we're ready now to talk about the new learning curve you experienced for language. 
Yeah. In my first city, I didn't really use spiritual languages at all. I was at a secular language school and was focusing on expanding what they had given me. But going to my new location, I intentionally had to figure out how to lift things up and how to speak about the father and speak about different spiritual things. When I was first learning and I would hear my friends, for example, praying, I would record it and then I would write out word for word what they said so I could get a specific vocabulary and see the patterns of how they would pray. And as I did that, I was able to then learn and practice, but also in terms of stories from the word, I would study with a particular woman from my group and she would help me very intentionally to make sure that I understood any of the words that I didn't know. She would be able to help define them and answer any questions that I had. And then even now to continue expanding my knowledge in kind of that vocab that I didn't learn initially, I'm in an online study of the word. It's called BSF and it exists all over the world. So I'm currently in one from people from my country speaking the national language that I've been learning, even though they have never lived on the island that I was at, it's a way for me to still get some of that vocab in the language. And it's a huge help. I think that idea is really ingenious, Amy. I certainly would never have thought of that one. Yeah. It's just a matter of engaging where you can, how you can, um, and taking advantage of the opportunities and seeking opportunities to learn. There's also a kind of formal language that needs to be used specifically when you're in the typical like worship service or also for doing official business with the government. And as I am learning what that means for potentially setting up a business later, there's specific words and phrases and ways of speaking that I'm also needing to practice and to learn. For me, a lot of what language learning looks like now is writing down and looking up those words that I hear that I don't know. On my phone, I have a running list of new words where I can easily pull it up and review them and continually want to be adding words to my vocabulary. There's definitely at every point always going to be words and phrases to learn as well as cultural ways of using maybe the words you already have learned previously. Right. It's not just learning a new word, but it's learning how to use that word in what context. Yes, for sure. Besides everything you've just mentioned, how about any linguistic features? So it was funny. This was shortly after I got back to my old city before I moved to my new one. I took a language test and they explained to me something I was not aware of that in my new location, the intonation that I used had to be kind of flattened out so that people could <laughs> figure out what I was saying. Um, maybe they could understand me previously, but they would think, where is she from? She speaks really funny. What is she doing? Um, and then another linguistic thing that I finally was able to catch on to is the slang that people use. In general, there's a lot of slang, there's a lot of abbreviations for things, but one of the prefixes that is commonly used with 
many, many verbs was then dropped and it's adding a different prefix to the front of it. In this instance, adding an NG to the front, which took me a while to catch on to. It sounds sort of like pig Latin. <laughs> There's just so much new territory that you've had to navigate, Amy. Yeah, for sure. That's why I had to find some safe people who were able to help me navigate and see the mistakes that I made as well as give me some cultural advice. So who were those people? There were a few different people. I didn't have an official language helper, but there was one of the guys who worked at our English school that also was a really great teacher and was able to give me cultural insights. Then there was a girl that I found to be safe who I could process with. She was one of my teammates and she was able to give me insights and also lift things up with me. And then it was really cool, especially when there's problems with teammates and I didn't want in speaking to my coworkers to kind of cause more distress on the team. I actually turned to my close friends from my first city and was able to process some of what was going on and get their perspective and insight. And that was really cool and super life-giving. Those friendships I knew had been very close before, but it gave even more depth to those friendships and gave me a, a groundedness or a sense of home in the culture, even when sometimes in my new location, I felt a little bit unsteady. Those friendships were key. I love that, Amy. During language school, it would have been so easy for you to just have a temporary transient mindset and just not invest in relationships since you knew you wouldn't be there very long. Was that a temptation for you? For me, I knew that it was going to be temporary, but I think that even if I wanted to kind of check out the father directed me to relationships, and I was able to invest in those relationships and saw how life-giving and sustaining that was in even just a temporary location. I think that can be a temptation, but I'm really, really glad that I was able to have those deep relationships and continue to have those relationships. Having that support has been a huge thing um, to know people that truly care about me and want to help. Mutual relationship is important that I care about them and they care about me and they know me and I know them. I think it's one of the most beautiful things about integrating into a different culture is having that mutual learning from one another and having people that you can share with and who can support you when you need it. How in the world do you keep up those relationships? We worked in three different locations and for me it felt so overwhelming at times. It definitely can feel overwhelming. I'm grateful that we live in the age of technology. There are pluses and minuses, obviously, but I keep up with them through phone calls, through texting. Have to be intentional and you can't hold on to all of those friendships. That would not be possible. Some of the relationships that I've had were good in person and then now they're harder to maintain. Maybe I don't know what to talk about with them. And it can be draining and tiring. So it was, in some ways, even just asking the father for wisdom of 
what relationships to maintain so that I'm not constantly just talking about surfacey stuff, but actually have those deeper friendships that I can share with and they can share with me. Have you been able to go back and visit? Is that even feasible? I'm really grateful that it is feasible. My old location is not super far away. And I've been able to go back a handful of times. I have definitely grieved the fact that my first city isn't the place of service long-term, but because that feasibility is there, I've been able to go back for friends' weddings or other big celebrations like the birth of a child. And that has been huge to be able to stay connected with those people, not only through technology, but on occasion in person. I'm curious, would you be willing to give us some specifics about one of your close friends there, how you met, et cetera? So one of my close friends, she's the cousin of a different friend who lived on my street. And with how things changed, actually specifically because of COVID, she didn't have work for a while. So she had a lot of time that she was able to come over um, and we were able to get to know one another. She in particular is a really great networker and she loves looking up answers to questions. If I have a cultural question, she likes to give insight, but any other questions I may have or things that need to happen, she is a person that tries to connect. And that's been cool just to see how the father has used her friendship. I've learned a ton. I always joke with her that she's the one that first started teaching me the texting slang because there's lots of stuff that's used that I had no idea. And now I'm not fluent, but I can, I can make my way around. But it's been a huge blessing to have her as a person that we can mutually go to one another and just share life. I think people don't realize that you have to learn texting language too. I definitely was not aware of that, but yes, it's a thing. She definitely sounds like a really special person. Now, I know that you're going to a third location. So have you still invested in relationships where you are now, knowing again that you'll be leaving? Yeah, so I think part of it is my personality and part of it is knowing what we're there for. It isn't just once we get to the final location, that's when we're really going to start doing ministry. And that's when we're really going to invest with people. I think we definitely would be missing out if we don't invest intentionally and fully along the way. And I think not only is it learning cultural insights, learning language insights, but it's realizing that as we're serving, there's many opportunities along the road. Opportunities don't just arise to share about the love of our creator and our savior, just when we get to our final spot. It's really been a blessing to see how the father has divinely appointed so many people. There's one girl who I met one time in a cafe that was seven hours away from where each of us lived. Turns out we actually live in the same town and she became one of my best friends in the second city. But if the mindset would have been okay, I'm not really fully investing here. I would have missed out on a really key friendship that I've been able also to share with her 
through both words as well as actions about who the father is. And if I was only there temporarily, I wouldn't have been able to have that opportunity. In closing, what recommendations would you have for people making the same kind of transitions that you have? So it sounds simple, but my recommendation is don't expect that things are going to be the same. Recognize that you'll still be learning and humility is huge. I also would say be proactive in finding safe people because the systems that you had set up in your first city, for example, where you learned language, aren't going to look the same in your second city where you're learning more of what life might look like in ministry. But make sure you intentionally find those and also schedule for yourself a time of processing. Um, That could be daily, just journaling. Um, That could be taking a few days every handful of months to just process. Be intentional with that because there's things that will be very new and culture stuff that comes up, language stuff that comes up that you will not have dealt with already in your first city. And I think that's really important. Also, be really intentional about where you live. Something that I struggled with in my second location was that I lived on a main street. That's where our language center was. And that makes sense because you want to have visibility from many cars that are coming by. But my first neighborhood where I had learned about the culture was not a through street and was an area where I could get really connected with people. And I struggled in my new home living space, even though I understood that that was the key place where we needed to be located. I didn't do a great job in terms of setting up connections with those I live around. And uh, probably in my new place, I will be thinking, where should I live in order that I can be more closely connected with my neighbors? That's all very good advice, Amy. Thank you. And do you just happen to have a blooper for us? I do. This one is one that all language learners can identify with since it involves idioms, which we know can be very strange um, if you take them literally and you don't know where they come from. I'm sharing the story of a different American friend of mine who was still learning language. And I would say she was pretty decent, but idioms can trip us all up, right? Um, This friend was pregnant at the time. And she and a group of women were all talking about pregnancy and they used what we would translate as half dead. And they were looking straight at her when they kept saying this phrase, half dead, half dead, half dead. And for her, she's going, uh, why are they saying half dead as they're looking at me? This was her first pregnancy. So she's kind of concerned that they're casually indicating that her baby is probably half dead. That's how she interpreted it. Um, What it actually means is really hard. And it's not just with labor. It's anything that's really hard. You can go running and after you finish running, you're half dead. Or you can be doing an assignment for school and you can say that you're half dead. It means, yeah, it's really hard. You don't want that to be said if you don't understand the translation and they're talking about your baby. (laughs) 
good old idioms, right? <laughs> but I guess if you do figure them out, you sort of move up a notch or two towards sounding like a real native speaker. Amy, I do wish you all the best as you move to your new location. You go, girl. I really appreciate your willingness to be on the show again. You truly are the best. Thanks so much for having me. And yes, I appreciate the thoughts and the lifting up as I transition again. I'm Mary Lynn Kinderberg, and thanks so much for listening to Language on Purpose. Tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher, and always on our webpage, languageonpurpose.org. Subscribe or follow, and you won't miss an episode. See you next time, and hopefully with a new idiom under your belt. <laughs>